Welcome to the Strong for Performance podcast, where we give coaches and consultants practical ideas for taking you to the next level in your business and in your life. I'm your host, Meredith Bell. I interview experts who've walked in your shoes and offer real-world experience that you can apply to your own journey. Welcome, everyone, to the Strong for Performance podcast. This is Meredith Bell, your host, and with me today is Dr. Pillay. Welcome, Dr. Pillay. I'm so excited to have you with me. Hi, Meredith. Same here. Thank you for having me uh, on your podcast. Well, one of the reasons I'm so excited to have Dr. Pillay with me is because I know him well. We have been in some mastermind groups together. He is so creative, and he has wonderful things to share with the folks who are watching this podcast. He also works very closely with consultants, coaches, and um, advisors, and he has such an interesting and unique background. I just love all the things that you have done, Dr. Pillay. He is a speaker. He's a coach, a consultant. He's the best-selling author of this wonderful book called Big Ticket Clients, which we'll be talking about today. And he is also a musician, a talented songwriter and singer. And I love your voice, by the way. You've got just some great upbeat songs. So Dr. Play is here to share so many great ideas with us. But before we jump in, would you give us a little bit more of your story, Dr. Play, and tell us more of your journey so people will understand how you got to where you are today? Oh, thank you so much, Meredith, um, for that uh, very flattering uh, introduction. I'm going to have to live up to that somehow now. <laughs> um, but um, no, I appreciate that question because um, whenever someone asks me what my story is, uh, they've opened up a, a can of worms because I love the word story. I think it is everything. It is who we are. It is what makes us successful in business and life. It's all about our story. And my story began um, really in the jungles of uh, a war zone uh, in Africa. Uh, I was in a makeshift um, refugee camp with my mother um, in 1967, I think it was, when my, uh, uh, you know, my father was in the States and I was just with my mother and we were hungry, running around, uh, trying to survive. The bombs were falling. You know, those kids with the big stomachs and the, and the, and the flies buzzing around their mouths. Okay, well, I was one of those kids. Wow. And... Um, we had no hope, we had no money, and we were afraid every second, you know. But um, my mother did a very interesting thing. She, um, even though we had no food and we were afraid to die in every second, she would sing to me. And she would sing to me and she would tell me stories. And the magical thing is that these stories and these songs would completely wipe away my fear, take away my hunger, and just make me happy. And somehow that lesson in my beginning has driven me all the way till today. I don't do a thing without writing a song about it or writing a book about it or a way of explaining it, the story of that thing to me. And so, you know, you'll find that for me, it's, I write and I write songs and books as much for myself as I write for others. So that's how I got here. I got here, you know, struggling from nothing. And I fought every inch of the way 
to get my PhD, to make friends like Meredith Bell, <laughs> and to be on your show. I just feel like every day is a blessing because of the perspective of how far I've come. Well, you really have. It is such an amazing journey. And it's interesting, your PhD really laid the groundwork for your your book that we're going to um, focus on today. And it was in narrative psychology. So tell us what that really means. Well, you know, the uh, I know it's a big word, you know, in a sense, but it really just means story. <laughs> That's all it means. I've always found it funny how a lot of us go to PhD school. We spend years and years and hours and hours studying something that's like very simple. (laughs) It's very intuitive, right? But no, narrative psychology is all about how we can use the way the mind, the, the cognitive processes of the mind, the way the mind accepts things, right, to understand meaning you know, what, what do things mean? Um, what is the narrative of, of, of this business or this life or this situation? Um, so when you bring sort of storytelling and psychology together, you're really finding a way to explain the world. And how valuable is that when you're thinking about marketing and sales and communication and leadership? I mean, it's really all about how do I explain the world so that I can help people achieve their goals? So narrative psychology for me is just, it's, it's, a, it's psychology, but it's just the kind of psychology that has a lot to do with storytelling, story listening, story meaning, and so on and so forth. Well, and that's so relevant when I think about the work you're now doing with coaches, consultants, and advisors and helping them position themselves in telling their stories. And there were so many things um, in your book that I feel will be helpful to our uh, listeners today as we explore just a few key points that are in this. I love this big ticket clients. You can't catch a whale with a worm. So I want you to talk a little bit about where that title came from and why is it you're advocating going after big clients instead of small clients? Mm. One of my favorite, favorite storytellers on the planet, bar none, is Jesus. And the way he taught people was through parables. Mm. He would... He would tell you a parable or a nice pithy saying, and from that, the parable would make a point. And so I actually strive in my books or my songs to paint a small picture, uh, a parable, and then from that, allow people to imply a point. It's funny because it's narrative psychology. We human beings like to do a little bit of work sometimes uh, to, to, to crack open the, the little nugget of truth and then learn what it all means. So that's why I say something like, you can't catch a whale with a worm. It's like, first you go, well, what is that? Then you go, oh, I see when you learn more about it. So what that means for me is a lot of us coaches and consultants and advisors, um, usually small businesses or entrepreneurs, we end up learning when we first get into online marketing, a lot of strategies that are not focused on relationship building. They're focused on transactions. They're focused on, hey, click this funnel, give me this upsell, give me that downsell, watch my video and then buy my course or something like that, you know? And you don't learn how to connect with people at a human level. Some of that has been lost in the translation of going online, okay? And so I call all of those those transactional strategies 
for marketing and sales. I call them small ticket strategies because they're fine for small, small products, you know, $7 course here, $57 course there. Sure, you can do that. But when you're trying to sign someone up who you're going to provide a, a, a great deal of service to, and maybe they're going to pay you $5,000, $10,000, $20,000, you need to get to know them. You need to get to know their challenges. They need to get to know you. There has to be a relationship. And I call those folks big ticket clients. Okay. And so, the whole point of the book was you can't use small ticket strategies to connect with big ticket clients. They just, they, they just don't want to hear that. You can't use a worm to catch a whale because you know what? Whales don't eat worms. They eat tons and tons of plankton. <laughs> so you're like completely in the wrong market. You know, if you remember the story of Moby Dick where Ahab, um, you know, took his sword, went out into the open sea or his harpoon, I should say, hired the best men and women and the best boats, and he tried to get that whale. But as he got closer and he's, he, he did everything he could to get that whale, he couldn't. Why? One simple reason. The whale represents that thing that you need to address in a specific way. And if you use the wrong tools and the wrong methods, it's just never going to work. What got you here? can't get you there. You have to know what gets you there very well before you can do it. So that's what big ticket clients, you can't catch a whale with a worm is all about. It's about teaching coaches, consultants, and advisors the right strategies that build relationships. That's the key word in order to close deals with big ticket clients. Well, you know, and I know that that's something because I've worked with, you know, hundreds of coaches over the last 20 some years, probably thousands when I think about it. And yeah. one of the key things, you know, that they struggle with is the idea of um, finding and acquiring the new clients because mm. their favorite part, of course, is delivering their services. They love having an impact. And so many of them talk about this high, low, you know, up, down kind of thing where when they're in the middle of engagements, they're not really thinking about marketing. And so I was especially intrigued with your book because you do have some very specific strategies that are, to me, more natural for the people who are in those kinds of professions than um, going for some of these online, you know, funnel building approaches that, you know, are just sort of like foreign to them. So Tell us a little bit about, uh, say, one or two of your strategies and maybe give an example with case studies of some of your clients who've used them so people who are watching can get a sense of what that really looks like. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, <clears throat> one, of the, one of the main ways to be noticed in a noisy, crowded field, which we all operate in nowadays online, one of the main ways is to be recognized as an authority. Yes. Right. If you're an authority, then all of a sudden people want to come to you. There's some kind of magnetic force around you. If you're just another person in the crowd who's, I'll be honest, copy, you know, copycat marketing, um, what all these other folks are doing with the funnels and all that stuff, you're going to be lost in the crowd. So building your authority is one of the most important things we can do. Um, as coaches, consultants, uh, and advisors, and so on. So the question is, how do you build your authority? 
um, if you want to build your authority, you could write a book, you could start a blog, you could do a whole bunch of things, right? But here's the problem. Here's what you're going to find out again. You're going to get lost in another crowd of lots of people who've written blogs and lots of people who have written books. And it's almost like, is there any way out of this? And there actually is. The way to be noticed in a crowd is to be your most authentic self. People love people who are just people. Like Meredith, when I watch your videos and you're just Meredith and you're just teaching us your stuff, I love it. And it's not just me. So many people say good, nice things about your little, those short videos you make. You're just being Meredith. So when you say, okay, this is me, this is my authentic self, and you expose that in such a way that you can create content from it, that you can send out every week or every month or whatever, that content will help to build your authority in the marketplace. Now, here's the second strategy that, that actually uses the authority that you've built. And that is a lot of us, when we do what is normally called lead generation, whether we're sending Facebook ads or doing automation on some platform or the other, we, we are only getting the business of 3% of the people we meet. And this is research from, I believe his name is Chad Holmes, um, who Holmes. talks about, mm-hmm. yeah, Chet Holmes, not sales machine. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That book talks about the fact that the first or of all the people we meet, only 3% will be ready to buy when we first meet them. And there's another 67% or more who are not ready to buy. And we ignore them. We don't have a strategy for them. We just basically say, okay, fine. I didn't close that deal. More lead generation. Let's go for more of the 3% again. Um, So when you have content that is evergreen, that is authentic, it's you. Look, People watch my videos on LinkedIn. I'm playing the guitar. Who plays a guitar on LinkedIn? Me and only me. And I'm going to get away with it. And guess what? When someone finds out who I am, they're going to be like, I can't forget that guy. He's the one who plays guitar on LinkedIn. See, that stuff is the content that separates you from the crowd. It's you. So once you have that content, you make it evergreen. You put it out there all the time so that you can address the 67% who were not ready to buy the first time. Because every time they run into your content, they go, oh, it's that guy again with the guitar, <laughs> you know, or whatever it is your thing is, right? And over time, you warm up the relationship with them without you having to do anything. So that when you finally do connect with those people, it's like old friends having a conversation over coffee or tea, or something like that. That's so true, um, because I've had that exact same thing happen with some of these short videos on on LinkedIn, where Mm -hmm. people feel like they've gotten to know me already, because of the stories I tell about my own Mm -hmm. life, and again, like your parables, having a point at the end, I think that um, what I'm hearing you say is, these folks who are our audience, they need to think about what is their most natural way to connect with people that they would like to do business with? Because some people, you know, are naturals in front of the camera. Others are more uh, writers. And so what medium makes the most sense for a given individual? And why is that content marketing, um, from your perspective, such an integral part of how a coach or consultant should think about their marketing efforts? Great question. Um, You know, 
if you think about the fact that we live in a very noisy world where people show up online and behave very differently than they behave in real life, okay? Like in real life, you know, if I saw a stranger on the street, I would probably politely say, hello, how are you doing? I wouldn't go up to them and say, hey, I've got a brand new product. It's a coaching tool. Uh, click over here. It's only $5,000. It will solve all your problems by now. <laughs> and that's the kind of messaging that we use online. It's like the translation from real life to online life has made us forget normal human interaction. So the role of content marketing is that especially if you are authentic, as we've discussed, and, and you are building authority, it can go instead of you and allow people to sort of, at their own pace, passively consume your authority, right? Without you pushing it in their face, without you trying to make them a sale. Look, it's funny, everyone wants your solution, but they don't wanna be sold. <laughs> They, 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 they need what you've got, or, you know, your ideal clients, so that is, need what you've got, but you will drive them away so fast the minute you come out and say, will you marry me right now? I, I think you and I would make a great couple right now. Let's get married. It doesn't work. <laughs> got to go to get, you got to go, go to have coffee first or something, you know, before you talk about marriage. So, so that's what content marketing does. Yeah. Tell us a success story or two of some of your clients who have used content marketing to help them acquire more clients. Excellent question again. I'm not going to use names, uh, but oh, I will. No. Yeah, I will share with you uh, one particular client who works in the corporate field as a consultant uh, regarding quality. So he's a, a, a product and process quality consultant. Now I know that's a big bunch of words and maybe it doesn't make a lot of sense, but bottom line is he goes to very big companies that are just mired in, in quality problems and leadership and all kinds of problems. And he helps them save millions of dollars by just teaching them new ways of doing things. Okay. So he started out by struggling with how exactly he was going to connect with the leadership of these uh, companies, which is, those are his buyers, always the leadership. And we, we tried LinkedIn at first when we first met, but the leaders weren't on LinkedIn. It, it was an interesting thing because a lot of people think, oh, if you're B2B, just go to LinkedIn and that's where it is. And if you're B2C, which is business to consumer, go to Facebook, you know, B2B being business to business. It actually is not that always that way because only certain people have conversations on LinkedIn. CEOs, CXOs aren't always on LinkedIn. So the kind of companies he wanted to connect with, these people were not on LinkedIn. I mean, they had names on LinkedIn, but they were not looking for a conversation. Right, right. So, so in order to reach those people, we had to develop a new and a different strategy. And so what we did was we decided to create content whereby the content featured those CEOs, featured those CXOs. We created a podcast for him where he invites his target audience to come on his show, talk about their successes, talk about whatever they're doing. And in the process, he builds a relationship with them. 
And in the process, they enjoy what the conversation did for them. And so they share it with their community of CEOs or their company of CXOs and so on. And before you know it, we now have a sort of a viral product in his podcast that is doing the work of content marketing for him where he could never connect with these people on LinkedIn to have a conversation. So that's a, a very important shift that we had to make um, from, you know, the standard lead generation stuff everybody does to how do I create content that builds my authority? Well, that is uh, an awesome strategy. Let's talk a minute about why that works so well. For one thing, as I was listening to you, I thought, number one, the access is mm -hmm. so much easier when you're contacting someone to invite them on a show mm -hmm. versus trying to have a sales conversation. It is a whole different <laughs> positioning of yourself yes. to them as an authority, as a celebrity. And not only that, if they are somewhat of a celebrity because of their position in their company, you mm -hmm. become one by association, right? Mm -hmm. So, right. Yeah, so I love that and would like to, um, you know, have you talk a little bit about what are some of the other benefits of doing that? Because I think some of our audience ought to really consider that for themselves, uh, setting up and um, putting together a podcast. Yeah, no, it goes back to a saying that I have in the book, actually, something that I coined called CCC, which stands for Content creates clients. And the reason why I coined that or created that, I TM'd it. Um, you know, we have this fun thing where we go around TMing things. Oh, that's a good idea. TM. Good idea. TM. So, <laughs> so I trademarked, I TM'd that idea. But the whole point is that if you can wrap your head around the fact that you should really let your content do the creation of your clients for you, right? It, it, it's, it's actually a shift in, in viewpoint or philosophy, you know, sales philosophy. So if you, if you start with that, then you start to think, okay, well, how do I get people to the table to create that content, to create the relationship that comes out of that content? How do I do that? That's where something like a podcast comes in. And, you know, we talked earlier about all the psychology that's out there and I won't go into any, but I'm going to give you one. And it's the psychology of reciprocity. That simple psychology um, trigger, if you will, is so powerful. And what it does is it says, hey, Meredith, if I give you something and ask nothing of you, Meredith's going to go away going, wow, that Dr. Pillay, he sure gave me something. I got to give him something back. <laughs> You've created reciprocity. And that tension, that desire for us to do good for each other that I have created by simply giving, not asking, but just giving, that's what creates relationships that become potentially referral partnerships or potentially clients. So, you know, podcasting, as you said correctly, Meredith, is not the only way to do this. You could do a simple uh, uh, guest blog, right? Where you, you, you ask someone questions over the phone and you, you transcribe it and you make that a blog featuring their name and their picture. You know, that's not a podcast, but it's the same concept. But you have to build a relationship over the phone and you have to follow up with a way of allowing them to know you're sharing their content to build that reciprocity. Mm -hmm. However, I will say my favorite, and you already know this, Meredith, and we already both kind of agree. My favorite is video. You know, 
look, if you can get on video and you can be coached or, or practice, it's almost like if you want to be a speaker, go speak, go to Toastmasters, learn it, do it, because that's how you do it. Video is the same thing. Video is the, I think it's like 85% of all inter, internet traffic is going to be video by 2020. I got to get that number right. But Cisco is the, is the company that says it's about 85%. That's amazing. Already in, right now, if you look anywhere, video is what people pay attention to. The return on investment for video is so much higher now than blogs or written content or any other type. So that's why I encourage audio and video in terms of podcasting. Yeah, there's that element of dyne, you know, visual because many people are visual and getting to see the interaction is, is helpful. There's a certain percentage, of course, that really like the audio only because they've got a long commute or working out or some other method where watching is not really ideal. So being able to give people choices I think is um, is really valuable, and of course the the challenge when you think about busy coaches and consultants who are delivering is like I don't have time to learn how to do that. It's intimidating, and so what's your answer for people? I know there are services that you offer, so talk a little bit about what are some of the options people have if this idea does intrigue them and they'd like to follow through for, to see what the next step might be? Well, you know, Meredith, you really hit the nail on the head with the point of time. (laughs) Um, There's a lot that has to go into creating a podcast and content in general. Um, Even just writing a blog. I, I can remember I would, I would have sleepless nights because I didn't want to follow my content calendar. You know, you, you, what you should have is a calendar that says on Monday, I'm going to write one blog and on Tuesday, I'm going to, you know, something like that. I would have sleepless nights because I just didn't want to write anything new. <laughs> so time, the desire to do it, all those things are a problem for a lot of people. So And also, they don't have the interest in learning it. They want to get to be doing the skill, using the skills and talents they have, not getting diverted into some other area that's not their area of genius. Exactly. And and so, you know, there's been a a shift. Um, Podcasts are going up. Lots of people are listening to them. And now businesses like coaches and consultants and so on are finding out that they can reach a lot of people in a very authentic way by doing podcasts. But the question is, can you handle the technology? Do you have the time? As you said, all of those, do I even have the interest? And can I come up with new fun things every single week? (laughs) You know, like after a while, you're like, I think I'm all dried up. I have no ideas. I'm done. So the idea of a podcast um, that is done for you is what I do. And it's what my company does. In fact, um, big ticket clients is not only the name of my book, it's also the name of my, my company. Um, we are what you might call a podcast agent. And by the way, I've registered that domain name. Thank you. TM, TM, TM. <laughs> Podcastagent.com. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we are like a, an agent that, that helps um, busy executives, busy companies, busy coaches and consultants to do everything that's involved in launching a podcast from the attracting the guests to recording the interviews to branding it. 
I mean, literally all they have to do is show up 30 minutes a week or a month if they're just doing once a month. Just show up for 30 minutes, have a great conversation with a guest, and we do the rest. So all the follow-up marketing, all the editing and the production, all of that stuff. I mean, to get a high-quality podcast up, you need professional uh, tools, editing, audio recording, video, all of that stuff. So we just do it for them. And that I've... I've done a lot of little businesses here and there. That's becoming my sweet spot because it lets me do all the things I love to do. I, I'm a coach. I love to coach people on speaking, on storytelling. Um, I'm also a, a developer, a technology geek. Yes, <laughs> so I love, <laughs> I love to put together all the technology for people. So it's just fun for me. I, we really have a blast. And the, the customers that I'm working with right now, they're just really enjoying this idea that they get to interview really interesting people every week or every month. And that's what creates their content. Now their email lists are populated with content every week. Their social media is populated with interesting content. Not that they had to invent, that their guests helped them bring. And yeah. all of this produces them as the authority. They're borrowing the authority from their guests. It's amazing. Well, you know, the other thing, there's one other skill you have that you didn't mention, and that is the intro and outro music <laughs> for the podcast. <laughs> so there's all these original things that they can get. But you know what I was thinking as I was listening to you describe the only thing they have to do is show up and do the interview. The beauty of that is doing an interview is just like they do now with coaching and consulting inside a client organization. They're asking good questions, they're listening, and they're going deeper with the client. So they really don't have to stretch at all in order to envision themselves doing a podcast in the interview part because it's what they already do and they love to do. So the fact that you have a service that removes all those other elements that are not part of the fun of what they do and that you have the expertise in every one of those areas is just a fabulous um, offering. And so given our time, uh, what I think I'd like to ask you to do now is let people know how they can um, find you and learn more about your services. I'll put a plug in again for your book because that's one of the things they ought to do. Um, Dr. Pillay was a number one Amazon best-selling author of this book, Big Ticket Clients. So you can grab a copy on Amazon. And then if they'd like to know more about the services you offer, how can they find that out? Thank you so much, Meredith. You're too kind. <laughs> I love it. I'm honest. <laughs> um, oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, yes, the best way to get a hold of me is either LinkedIn. Um, just search for Dr. Pillay. Um, you know, it's, I, I think it'll come up that way. If not, yeah, I think you'll probably provide a link on the show notes. Yes, is that correct? Yes, I have the show okay. notes page, uh, both on YouTube as well as on our website with your contact information. Yep, and um, the other place outside of LinkedIn to find me is my website, which is www.drpele.com. That's D-R-P-E-L-E.com. Great, and just as uh, one other piece, I know that if somebody were interested in learning more about podcasting, but they weren't necessarily ready to go to that step of having you manage everything for them. Is there some intermediate step that they might, uh, or option that they might consider? 
great question. There actually are two uh, 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 options before okay. that. Okay. I, I have this little thing. It's actually at the very end of the book. It's called DIY, DWY, and DFY. <laughs> what okay. that means, if you want to do it yourself, DIY, um, I have a training course that teaches you everything you need to know about um, uh, designing, uh, launching, and maintaining and marketing your podcast. That is a uh, podcast-driven marketing strategy, not just the podcasts. That's another thing that people should remember. The purpose of these podcasts we're talking about is to get you more clients. It's not just to have fun. We actually are very strategic about the people you talk to and the follow-up. So d done, uh, do it yourself is all about you learning how to do it and then taking it and doing it yourself. Then there's DWI, which is done with you. And in the DWI approach, you learn all the same things that you would do it yourself but we coach you. So we have weekly coaching meetings where we listen to what you're trying to do. We advise you and we support you um, as you launch it. And that's a popular option because a lot of people who are DIY just want that extra support. And then DFY, which is done for you, is where we really listen to your entire marketing situation. We understand the psychographics and the demographics of your ideal clients. We target them for you. We send out automation for you. We do the podcast for you. We send follow-ups for you, everything. You literally, when it's, when after this, you know, foundational setup period of three months, you literally should only be able to show up for 30 minutes a week and you have an entire content marketing strategy rolled out. What you just described sounds like heaven for many of the coaches and consultants I know. It's like, oh my gosh, one person or one team could do all these things for me. And typically those are the things they really don't enjoy doing. So I just want to let our audience know that I, because I know you so well and I have such faith and trust in what you do and your follow through and delivering on your promises, I highly recommend that you contact, at least connect with Dr. Belay, get his book and then follow up with him because he is delightful. And also one of the things I know you'll do Dr. Play is let them know if they're a good fit for your program, because it's not like you're trying to sign everybody up. There are certain criteria you have people who are already successful, for example, have a thriving business and aren't just necessarily starting up initially, that seems to be your sweet spot again. Is that? Yeah. And, and also, and also people who um, do not have the internal resources to launch something like this, that they're the ones who may need the done uh, for you. Yeah. Um, you know, but, but as you said, there are people who may just want to learn, which is a training thing, not a coaching thing. Yes. Well, thank you so much for being uh, with us today. Again, go get his book, Big Ticket Clients, and I will see you soon, Dr. Pillay. Thank you so much for being a part of this program. Thanks, Meredith. My pleasure. Thanks for tuning in to the Strong for Performance podcast. Now head over to growstrongleaders.com to learn how our tools can increase your impact with clients and expand your business. And while you're there, grab our free ebook, The Five Secrets to Getting Better at Anything. Until next time, I'm Meredith Bell. Make it a great day.